You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You are listening to Rump Buncher Radio. This is the 75th episode. We thank you guys for joining us here on our fourth episode of 2022. Trey Entity, joined with Marty Leap as always, is tonight joined by a loyal guest, one of our favorite guests, guy that just loves getting on here and talking shop with us. Michael McHenry, we love talking shop with you. Thank you for joining the show tonight. Tell us about your year so far. How you've been since the last time we had the chance to talk? I've been good. Just been really busy. Uh, I do two annual camps in January, one in West Virginia. Went really well. We had a couple coaches not show up, so we were stretched in, but the kids had fun. We raised a bunch of money for a charity, and then I do an annual one in Knoxville as well, which I really enjoy. Um, it's nice to get back, you know, out on the field, working with kids and everything. So it's been it's been a good offseason. Glad Christmas is over. Glad it's the new year and kind of ready to rock and roll and get into baseball, and I hope we don't uh, skip a beat. <laughs> no doubt about it. Hopefully – you know, as these meetings continue to progress here, like we saw this past week, they can get something figured out on time. We're going to get all uh, into the lockout conversation here in a minute. But before we do that, got to give a shout out to our writers. It's already been an incredible month on rumbunter.com. Guys, go check out their work there, fansided.com slash rumbunter. They're covering it all on, on that side of things. And we've had the chance to be able to cover a lot here so far, even with the lockout on rumbunter radio as well. International signings, of course, this past week. And we talked about it a good bit on our last episode, but Mike, I kind of wanted your thoughts on this year's class. Very deep class, pretty well regarded around baseball. Guys like Tony Blanco kind of highlighting this group. What are your thoughts on on this deep international signing class overall? I love the trend of, I guess, the way they did it in the draft. They took the best player available, and they did the same thing in the international draft. They didn't just draft up maybe what they needed or what they wanted. It seems like Ben Sherrington's just been ahead of the game the entire time. I mean, you look at even what – happened with them locking everything down and, and halting talks and not protecting Martin and Mitchell, two guys that could have possibly been picked up in that Rule 5 draft, major league version. So it's been crazy to watch him play chess, why a lot of people seem to be playing checkers. It just seems like he's a little bit ahead of the game with his staff, and it, it spoke volumes what he did with the international draft. No surprise. I mean, getting some really good athletes, really good projectables, and guys that could really – get to the big leagues fast, I mean, especially the way the game's being played right now. You know, if, if you show out early on, they're going to expedite you, especially when you're playing the type of quality competition in the Dominican Republic and you can play uh, year-round. So these guys coming over, whether they're from Venezuela, Dominican Republic, or anywhere else, these guys are a little bit ahead of the American guys because they never stopped playing. I'm sure they were even playing through COVID and everything else because – it's their way of life. It's it's what's going to put food on the table, and they push to really just a limit that a lot of people don't want to understand in, in the United States. Yeah, you know, Mike. One thing I mentioned on our <clears throat> excuse me on our podcast last weekend, if you look at a lot of these kids from the from the Dominican, for example, one of the oldest sayings for young Dominican ball players is, "You can't walk your way off the island. You've got to hit your way." <laughs> to professional baseball in the States, excuse me. And to those kids, that means everything because Mm -hmm. you have a lot of these kids who are coming from, you know, backgrounds where they're, they're used to having to fight and scratch and claw for everything. And they know if they can get this signing deal, they can sign with a major league club. That signing bonus alone is going to take care of your family for the rest of your life. 
So that's one thing I love to see the Pirates target this this population so much more because I feel like these are kids who are going to come over here and they've never known anything other than busting their butts and working mm-hmm. hard, which is a great asset to have in the organization. You know, and you look at a guy like like Blanco who at 16 years old is already built like a Greek god. Like he's projected already to be a 40-plus home run uh, mm-hmm. power guy down the road. And that's something as good as a pirate farm system is one thing it still lacks is power. And mm-hmm. Blanco adds a lot of power potential to the farm system. You know, your Donnie De Los Santos has the potential to be a very good infielder down the road. And it's just good to see the pirates continue to target this group from the Dominican, from wherever it may be in their national signing group, because these are kids who for a lot of, for the most part come from a background where they're not very well off and this sort of thing. And they know Hey, if I work hard, if I use my God-given ability, I use my talent, I can take care of my family. And that is, you know, anyone out there who has a family will tell you that is a great driving force, a great motivating factor. And I'm a big believer in players like this. And I think that they are, have the extra motivation, have the extra drive that some players, you know, who may come from a little bit of a better off background don't have. So it's, it's great to see the Pirates continue to target these guys and add talent through this way. And and Marty, the, the the thing that I guess fans probably don't pay attention to a lot of times with these guys is, you know, you don't get many Polancos. I mean, he's he's a huge human being with an absolute pretty swing already, but most of these guys are very moldable. They are, they're so hungry, they're willing to do just about anything it takes, and then they go to the academy. A lot of these guys have already been to the academy because they get invited early on. That's where they're seen, they're playing. These guys are going to get so much opportunity, so many reps early on, and they're going to have such a quality staff. I mean, some of the hirings that the Pirates have done over the last two or three years with development and everything else, even on the Latin side, has been kind of remarkable. They've reworked it, but they've really made it about the player, and I think that's going to be shown more than ever in that international pool because they can really put their hands on them and say, hey, this is what's going on. This is the analytics, and then explain it to them through their personality or through their understanding but these guys are already ahead of the game because they're starting at such a young age over there and they're doing it in a way that you, you really can't explain unless you go see it because these guys just do not stop. So I've never really put a whole lot of you know interest or, or thought into these 16-year-olds, but now that you have you know the Tatis juniors and these guys getting the big leagues at 20 years old, you know, you think about Acuna Jr. I played against him when he was 20. Next year he had 30 homers in the big league at 21. So these guys are getting the, the big leagues really fast because they're facing high velocity at a very young age. And all they have to kind of understand is who they are, their approach they're trying to do, not try to do too much, and just stay within themselves. And these guys are flying through the systems. No doubt about it. I mean, you know, look at the impact that these guys are making around all of baseball right now. They're Fernando Tatis. It's like you said, the Ronald Acuna's, the Juan Soto's, and our, our third co-host, Nick, brought up a really interesting point last week. I love talking about this stuff with you, Mike, because I know you think about the game in a nuanced way. Do you think the current system, you know, of signing international players is a little bit broken? It's based off connections and kind of who you know in these countries. Nick brought up a potential international signing draft. Do you think that's something that's realistic in the future? You know, how do you feel about that in general? it's tough. I mean, you think about how everything's kind of unfolding right now. MLB wants the most control possible. And you go international, you're, they're going to get more and more control. And the reason why I like the idea of those guys kind of having a little bit more of an open forum, is just what Marty said. I mean, it's been their dream. It's the way they can get off the Island and really take care of their entire family. And they're really not usually, I guess, saturated when, when they get here, they're, they're very moldable malleable and you can do a lot with those guys so i think they're in a different way now if they start playing more especially at the collegiate level and the high school level it seems to be happening guys are coming over my niece is dating a kid that grew up in puerto Rico, or excuse me the dominican republic he moved to new york and now he's here in middle tennessee state that's more common they have three players from overseas and that's kind of happening all across the united states because guys want to come get their education as well so if that starts happening yes i think you're going to start seeing the international draft and as baseball grows overseas and, and maybe it gets more competitive in places like Europe and obviously all in the Asian countries, it's very, very competitive, but they have their own way and they're not going to give up that, that uh, what is it? The, where you have to buy the rights to the player. They're not going to give that up. I mean, that's just a lot of money right back in their pocket. So at the end of the day, I, I don't know. I just hope that it doesn't mess with the system. They've already taken so many rounds 
away from the United States players. You know, they're going to try to manipulate and move it the way they can to make sure that they get the best players possible and they can sign the most players for the cheapest amount of money. And that's not what you want. Mm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It's, uh, you know, it, it's been a system that has worked for a long time now. So kind of excited to see how that changes. And, you know, excited to see a lot of different things move and change in this game, obviously, with this new CBA. The timing of it, getting a little bit closer to spring training now, closer to opening day. Do you think that we have a realistic chance of, of starting on time for this season? Or, you know, what's spring training even going to look like at this point? I know on your end, you're probably trying to prepare right now for the broadcast and everything else. What, what, what do you see going down with the timing in all of this? Honestly, I, I have no clue. Um, it, it's kind of unfolded very similar to how I thought it would, minus the, the stoppage. Um, I, I thought at first that was a really – quality idea and then the more i've thought about it i think it's an idiotic idea because it's going to be a free-for-all and there's a lot of guys that probably would have gotten big league contracts that are signing minor league deals just to make sure that they you know have a job and they're going into camp they're not you know stressing their families out because there's just a lot of moving pieces and the closer they get the harder it is to kind of file it down because the way free agency works or pretty much anything even the minor leagues they're going to trickle down the list of you know here's the power bat right-handed first baseman and then you trickle down so if you're fourth or fifth on that list you're you're just hungry trying to grab a hold of something because you want to make sure that you at least have a job and there's so much uncertainty especially for the families out there trying to figure out where to go so I hope they figured out I'm not holding my breath I'd love to hear Marty's I could go into this really really deep because I think it's a giant mess I think the focus on some of the things we're focusing on is is kind of silly and I think MLB to be honest has really had the leverage since COVID and they've used COVID a lot to make sure that they have more leverage and MLBPA has kind of missed a couple of chances to maybe push a couple of things to really help, you know, the, the, all the players, not the top echelon players. Yeah. Ultimately my thought is I think something gets done to where opening day is not mm -hmm. delayed. Um, I could see at least start to spring training. But as, as we, I don't think it's coincidence as we get closer and closer to what would normally be the regular report day for spring training, we see starts, excuse me, we see talks starting up better because if we get closer to owners and front offices losing money, they're going to want to talk more. Mm -hmm. But, and this is something I'm sure, like you've already kind of hinted at, Michael, and you would agree with, what's kind of disheartening to me is we see as talks go on the last couple of weeks, it seems like a lot of the stuff that the Players Association was really dead set on, they're starting to pull back on and kind of concede to the owners more. Um, and I feel like, you know, myself included, most baseball fans, we align with the Players Association because it's just ultimately the Players Association wants best for the players. And anyone who follows baseball closely knows that especially minor league players are not taken care of very well. And I know that's definitely something you can speak to in a much better fashion than I can, but it's, it's a real shame, you know, especially in baseball where it is the one sport where guys who are not on the active roster are not taken care of. You know, you look at the NFL, for example, you can make a great living in the NFL being a practice squad guy, mm -hmm. major league baseball. It's difficult to make that happen as a career minor leaguer, which is essentially the same thing as being a career practice squad guy. So, you know, it's kind of disheartening to see the Players Association start to pull back on some of their requests. But as a pure baseball fan, it is still encouraging to see talks happening. And like I said, I still think ultimately something gets done in the next two, three, four weeks. And yes, we may miss part of spring training. We may miss some, some Grapefruit League and Cactus League games. But I still think push come to shove opening day will be on time or pretty dang close to it. Yeah, I'll ask you this too. I, I really believe they're already getting the minor league guys set up to come into spring training. Yeah. Because you, know, you can work with those non-roster guys. So yep. I believe spring training for them may move up a month and they're going to be playing those games if they're not moving forward. Because I'm telling you right now, the way it's been set up the last two years, a lot of those young players don't have the same respect or understanding of what the MLBPA even stands for. They don't understand that, you know, guys are able to have a pension. They're able to, you know, buy the insurance if you get four years and keep that insurance as long as you continue to pay for it. They don't understand a lot of those things and the fight that was held in 1994 and kind of how it all came together. Well, that's something that was adamant as I was a youngster coming through. So even in the minor leagues, when you're really just making peanuts and eating peanut butter and jelly, you know, once you got up there, the PA, you had to, you had to stand up and you had to respect 
that, I guess, group before you that fought so hard to give you the rights that you had, the free agency, the opportunities, the arbitration, you know, all the entities that really flow into the game now and the money that kind of goes, the revenue sharing, you can go on and on, came from guys that were willing to stand up and do some things. That has not been taught a lot because of COVID and a lot because the game has gotten a lot younger. And those younger guys are some of the best players in all of baseball. So the older guys can just sit back a little bit more than ever before. And it's not, you know, necessarily talked about. And since they haven't been in spring training and been able to have meetings because of, you know, the, 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 the smaller group of people allowed in, in the rooms or in the meetings, it's, it's scary. It's scary as a, as a, as a player. I, I think ultimately, like you said, Marty, it's going to work out because revenue is revenue and they want to get started and they'll, they'll figure it out. They could even do a modified version where it's, it's a year and they try to figure out more the next year, but they, they will play after the whole thing of pushing around on, on COVID. I, I would hope both sides understand like, you can't push too hard or the fans are really going to start to, you know, mm-hmm. get frustrated and push back. And I'm a fan as, as much as I, I am a player, I'm a fan. I've always been a fan. And I, and I hope they push it together because, you know, there's a lot of money in this game. There's a lot of money to be spread out. And yes, they, they're, they're both fighting for an extra nickel here, an extra nickel there. And it's not a big deal to the fans. And I always say, as long as they're taking care of the people that really fought for this and that doesn't lose sight. And it, it's not about just that now I, I, I'm, I'm good with however it turns out. I just want them on the field. Yeah. And one thing with that, you mentioned the fans and, you know, I, I can speak to this as someone who's a father of a 12 year old and who coaches both uh, baseball and football at a youth level with younger kids. It is very hard to sell baseball, which is unfortunate. It, it's a great sport. You know, to me, baseball is, and Michael, I'm sure to you it is by far the greatest sport in the world. With me, it is right there with football. It's the greatest sport in the world. I am passionate about it. I love it. I am a my family is a big baseball family. Preach. But it's like I look at Avery, my 12 year old, for example. All of his friends, absolutely every last one of them, play football. But when it comes to baseball, I have to try and sell baseball to some of these kids, which is unfortunate because there are a lot of kids there who I know would be great baseball players. I know would love it if they give the sport an option. They give the sport a chance. And you look at baseball and they do so much to sabotage themselves and make it difficult to sell the sport with younger kids. And I think with a lot of the negotiations that have gone on from the player side of things, a lot of things they would push for is going to make the sport easier to sell with younger kids. Mm -hmm. And that's what keeps the sport going. That's what keeps the sport alive. That's what's make the, most importantly, that's what makes the sport grow. And that is definitely something baseball desperately needs right now. And I think that's where it really gets frustrating as a baseball fan to see baseball in a lot of ways sabotaging itself. So, you know, like we said, I think something gets done. I think the season starts on time, which is very important because if there's any sport in America right now that cannot afford an extended lockout and games lost, it is definitely baseball. But at the same time, there are a lot of things that need to be done. And, you know, I, I think a big part of it with baseball is I know we're never going to get a true salary cap of any sort, but until there's something put there better with a luxury tax, with a salary floor, whatever it might be, it makes it so much more difficult for like the Pirates or the the Cleveland Indians, Guardians, whatever you call them, these smaller market teams that compete on a regular basis is so difficult and that cuts out so many fan bases. You know, look here in Pittsburgh. And I know this is something a lot of people don't want to admit, a lot of people overlook. Prior to when hockey locked out in 2004, the Penguins were in a lot of trouble because hockey did not have a salary cap and the Penguins were getting passed up by a lot of larger market teams. Well, coming out of that lockout, hockey got a salary cap and it allowed the Penguins to change what they do and they've become one of the most consistent franchise in all professional sports. So we've seen it right here in Pittsburgh, what that can do and the difference that can make. And until something is done along those lines, it's going to make it so difficult for small market franchises to compete regularly. And that's going to cut out so many big markets. You know, this past summer, for example, I went on a trip and checked out a couple of different ballparks and I went to Milwaukee for one of them and man, going to Miller park, that was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Mm. And the Milwaukee Brewers are very much a small market team who right now that window's open because they had a lot of good pitching prospects graduate together. Two to three years down the road, the Brewers are going to probably be in a similar road to the Pirates are in. 
because the Brewers don't have a great farm system. And when some of those pitchers start to hit free agency, because they're a smaller market team, they're going to be in trouble, which is super unfortunate because that is an awesome market. You know, you've played in that ballpark. You can attest. Mm. Those crowds are awesome. That is a great place for baseball. Look at Pittsburgh. Look at Pittsburgh in 13, 14, and 15. Man, PNC Park was rocking. Like, I tell Avery, my 12-year-old all the time, stories about games during that generation because he wasn't old enough to go of how great the ballpark was. And, like, I'm telling you, dude, when we get back to that point, going to the ballpark is going to be so much fun where every game matters and you have 30,000 people there every night and you're living on every pitch. But baseball does so much to prevent that from happening. And it's just so frustrating as a pure baseball fan to see baseball continue to get in their own way step after step after step. You know, I completely agree. And there, there's so many things that, that they could do with, with analytics. Now you, you look at, you know, you can almost see a guy's worth through, through their war and through all the other numbers and, and see this guy is worth $40 million. Like Bryce Harper, I believe was upwards of 40 or $45 million last year with this season. I don't remember the exact number, but like, there's ways to figure this out, but I'm with you. They got to they got to piece this together to give everybody an opportunity to compete and and have sustainability, so you can keep teams together. That's that's one thing as a player I always hated. Every time you know a team came together, I remember in 13, I got hurt, and as soon as I got hurt, I was like, I'm gone. You know, you kind of knew that the turnover was going to be gone instead of you know keeping a, a, a nucleus together, which does matter. I mean, the the separator as as analytics are at some point going to show they're going to have some question mark, like, why is this team better? It doesn't make sense. And it's going to be because the coaches care more. The players are actually communicating and they're taking advantage of the game within the game, not just the numbers. They're actually seeing what's happening right in front of their face and sharing it with each other, which is mind boggling, right? Old school baseball could play as well as analytics. What if you combine them really well? And yes, you see in Tampa Bay do that and they're still winning Cleveland. They somehow compete every single year. Oakland seems to have a five-year stretch and then flip the script but watch what happens with their staffs. Their staffs get scooped up by Chicago, by New York, by LA. And that's, what's really devastating for those small market teams when they have that edge of sorts, especially when it comes to development or maybe they have an edge on how they're going after free agents. Who's really you know ripe for the picking, especially going into their market. You talked about Milwaukee. They made one of the best trades in all of baseball last year, in my opinion, with Willie Adamas. Yep. They needed a power bat. They needed someone that needed, you know, a fresh start. You know, he didn't fit necessarily. He felt like everything was on his shoulders, having the best prospect behind him. And then he went there and he just unloaded. The ballpark fits his swing perfectly. And that's the little things you have to do. But I think you got to bring up, I think you got to have a floor or they have to have a penalty. And I, 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 I think the salary cap, I just think that it's going to be very hard and it works for both the MLB and the players. I think they should get penalized more and more money should go back, but it has to happen at the bottom too. You can't just sit back and have a $40 million salary for five years, not play competitive baseball. I think they should have to pay money back from that revenue sharing. If that happens, whether it's to a charity, whether it's back to the players, whatever have you, they have to figure out a way to, to, to bridge that gap enough to where that competitive balance kind of plays out. But with all the money that's, that's being thrown around, you can't tell me that, they can't figure out a way to like maybe figure this out. Maybe it's through the revenue. I mean, I, I know Bryce Harper sold more jersey than Michael McHenry, right? I don't deserve as much money as he did. So maybe they can give more money there. They just have to figure out a way to, to, to find that balance because, I mean, it, it, it's so true. Like that, that turnover, LA is never going to have a terrible season in baseball unless they just have a huge injury problem or they pick a lot of bad people. Yeah, they can't. And, you know, I think that's when you, you watch sports like football and, and you see teams like the Green Bay Packers constantly competitive and, you know, teams like the New York Giants struggle from year to year. That's not really realistic in the game of baseball right now. And the New York Yankees can go out and sign a Garrett Cole with a John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge. And, you know, I think it is exciting as Pirates fans to see Tampa, to see Oakland, some of these organizations, you know, really figure it out. And I'd like to think the Pirates are, you know, on the, on well on that track right now with this rebuild. But, you know, is there anything else you could see getting done during the CBA? You know, Marty or Mike, that that could kind of help eliminate some more of these inequalities monetarily and, you know, just just eliminate the inequalities um, that, that we see that give the L.A.s the year to year advantage over teams like the Pirates or, or the Milwaukee Brewers. But before we do that, I, I want to go back to what Marty said. I think the players should take more control of of 
their brands and and be able to get into the community more on their own terms outside of you know how MLB or the team really wants to play that role. I think if the players really took charge of that, we talked about it, I guess, in 14 and 15, you know, starting to buy our bats, buy our jerseys so that we had control, we could sell them. And as a, as a union, if you, if you had control of all those things, then also, you know, think about, you know, creating almost a, a C corp of sorts with the, which they tried to do a little bit with the NFL. So they have their own ability to be a business and, and start really promoting these players, maybe even buy a network and have a little bit more control. So that, that balance starts to happen. I mean, MLBs buying minor league teams, independent teams, they're doing a lot of things and it's going to be very hard for MLB PA without the fans. And we've, really had that disconnect with COVID. And that's one thing I really don't like that's in our, our agreement is they, they want, they want media out. They, they want everybody out of the locker room at all times and really just have a chance to talk to players when they're out on the field. And I, I don't think you're going to, as a fan ever get to see who they are as a person. You're not going to be able to see the, the, the grinders. You're not going to see what's happening when they're playing good, when they're happening, what's happening playing bad. I think more access is better. Uh, personally, I think it's better for the game, and I hope that's one thing that's really um, brought to attention, but it has to be very careful. If it's not co controlled by the PA, the reality of the game is the reality it is a business. They're going to utilize it. I mean, I saw the other day with uh, one of the football games, somebody's had a heart rate monitor on, and they were showing it. Well, that's a that was a fight last CBA. No heart rate monitors, no rings, no whoops, no anything, because they would use it in arbitration. So they've got to find a balance to where you're not terrified of everything. Cause there's so many numbers there's so many things out there, but all this stuff is happening in the minor league. So these guys are used to it. They're okay with it. They already have a database of numbers. So now that's going to shift. Now they got to figure out how can we like give access to the fans, allow them to see what's going on, how they could possibly be a big leaguer or just be a little bit closer because that's the most important thing. Because if the pirates, have the best fan base, the most loyal fan base. We fill it up every night, win, lose, or draw. That's going to change everything for the Pirates. They're, they're, they're going to be able to pay more. They're going to be able to do things more. And guys are going to want to come play there. And I think that's that's really the focus for, for me, I hope, with the MLBPA is like, how can we make sure that not just can all these teams be competitive, not just revenue sharing, but how can we make sure the fans are getting the experience they deserve and how can they get a little bit closer to the players? I think that's a great point. I mean, you know, you look at a, a recent example of giving power to the players, the NIL for college athletics. I mean, hmm. guys like Travis Hunter now going to Jackson State and HBCU never would have done that two years ago even. But, you know, giving power to the players, I think, is so important and, you know, could really, I think, eliminate some of those inequalities like we talked about there. Mike, is there anything that, that you want to see really get done in this new CBA that we kind of saw tested out in 2020? The designated hitter, the extra inning rule changes, kind of the, you know, some of the oddities, the, the controversial uh, topics. What, what do you see kind of getting done with this CBA? Do we see a DH come out of this? I, I think so. Um, I, I think it's going to give an extra, you know, bad a chance and as much as i love the, the the chest that's played with with moving players in and out you have good bench role players the reality of it is is you're going to want to watch a josh bell hit off the bench more than you're going to want to watch you know brubaker and oh, that's that, that that's a reality and and i think that's going to enhance guys like josh bell's career who's who's a moderate defender probably below average if not a little bit more than below average and that's going to give him a chance to maximize his ability as an offensive player and know his focus. So I, I think, I think it's going to happen. I think it's good for the game. I, I, like I said, I hate, you know, that there, there's not going to be moving pieces, but yeah, I think that's one thing. And I think they got to figure out how to balance the, the workload. I, I like extra innings. I don't like changing it up, but maybe, and this is weird to say, maybe they do a tie at a certain, certain inning, or <laughs> maybe they switch to that, that rule at a certain inning, but you know, I, I think that's more should be about protecting the players. More baseball is always better baseball. I mean, that's how you learn how to market. You know, they say more is better and then figure it out from there, see what they like. So, but anything that has fan experience can get them involved. You know, I, I have a thing and I'd love to ask you, Marty, and both you guys, really, I think they should play 142 a year that count. And I think they should play 20 games a year that don't count. And every single game has something, you know, special about it. But if you don't want to play, you don't have to play. It's it's all an incentive. It's all it maybe 
a uh, extra bonus or whatever. So if Anthony Rizzo is like, I don't want to play, I want to rest, he can rest, and they bring up someone from the minor leagues and he gets paid on incentives, and maybe it's this game, it's a seven-inning game, and only extra base only extra base hits count and only strikeouts can get you out. Like, who knows? Like, you can make up any rule, but they just start having fun. Maybe one game it's all about player or uh, fans voting on the lineup, you know, who's going to pinch hit, who's going to be in certain situations. Maybe Mike Trout hits every inning, you know, for, for a game. You have your best hitter hit every game. We, we've we kind of bantered back and forth with some buddies about this, and I just think doing that, you, you kind of get the win-win of, like, seeing what the fans like, you get more interaction. They get to learn the game in a different way because you know, maybe they have to keep up with certain things. And if, if they start to falter or do something that they shouldn't do, someone teaches them in the middle of the game, like, hey, this is why this happens, blah, blah, blah. We're going to take him out. I know you want him in. He's pitching well, but here's his pitch count. Here's why. So they can learn the game in the game. Just a thought. Love to hear your thoughts on that, Marty. But, you know, the players want a shorter season. MLB says they do. They don't at all. They want more games, more games, revenue, and they want more in the playoffs. But if you cut those 20 out, you could have more playoff games, and I think the players would say, okay. Yeah, you know, I definitely wouldn't hate something like that. Um, I'm all for 142, 140-game season <clears throat> for a lot of reasons. And, you know, a lot of what you hinted at, Michael, it makes baseball more fun. Mm-hmm. And to go back to the marketing thing, to go back to appealing to younger crowd, like – to go back to the NFL, for example, one thing that the NFL does great is the partnership they have with Nickelodeon. And I can speak towards this mm. as a parent. I have a son who, my youngest son, Seth, will turn five in April. And his favorite thing in the world is when the NFL does their games on Nickelodeon because it's showing the game, but they're incorporating slime. They're incorporating SpongeBob. <laughs> they're, you know, it's stuff like that. So these young kids are invested in watching the game. And as it's going, Every play, they're explaining what happened. They're explaining penalties. You're learning the game of football through a mindset that makes sense to little kids. And that's something that baseball has not done. And it's so frustrating to watch other sports leagues do this and do it with success where you can see it can be done. And, you know, if you have a game where, like you said, Mike Trout's going to bat every inning or we're going to have some sort of home run derby or something, Mm -hmm. these are the kind of things young kids are invested in. These are the kind of things young kids are going to watch. And all you got to do is you got to get people invested. You got to get them watching your product. And at that point, you can get them hooked. Once you get them watching, the ball is in your court at that point. And that is something baseball needs to do a better job of. And that would be something I'd be all for moving forward. I think that'd be a great idea. I think that'd be a great way to bring more eyes to baseball, especially younger eyes, which the sport desperately needs right now. So, yeah, I think anything like that. And like you said, the, the, the less games – I feel like in the end could work out because the players association wants less regular season games. And while the owners and and MLB are going to want the revenue, if you play 20 less regular season games, you can add an extra round of playoffs. You know, you can make that wild card round a best of three or a best of five, a heck of a lot easier if you're only playing 140 regular season games. So that is something where everybody wins. Ultimately, everybody gets what they want. And most importantly, it would be what would be best for the health and for the growth of the sport of baseball. I love it. I, I wasn't even thinking about the younger, younger version, but yeah, yeah, if you look at what NBA and and what the NFL are doing and the Nickelodeon thing is a great point. I mean, how cool would it be if they made contact and there's a fireball or whatever, yeah, so it's still the base or smoke coming up. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. That's a great idea. And, and I was thinking about the betting side because I know that's something that they're, they're, arguing about with revenue, you know, how, how is this going to work? Cause there's a lot of money in, in that side and it's becoming legal across the board. So I think, you know, if you think about how, you know, say you wanted to Marty, I want to, I, I won the uh, drawing or whatever the raffle to be the manager today. Right. So you mm-hmm. can do it via wherever you're at and you're the manager of the Pittsburgh pirates that day. And you're making those bets and your boys know you so well, they're making, or you, excuse me, you're making the lineup, you're, you're making the moves. Your boys know you're like, oh, man, and they have a great day with betting or whatever. Like, there's a lot of ways to get that interaction in, have fun, and, and get the fans really invested. And I think they do need to get creative, and I hope they do. But that, that was a really cool point with the with the slime and the gack and everything. That would be a blast. Yeah. And like I said, it's just, I, I've seen it from my personal experience. <laughs> like, they had the 49ers and Cowboys game and the wild card round for the NFL playoffs was on ESPN and also on Nickelodeon. 
and Seth couldn't watch, couldn't wait to watch Nickelodeon broadcast because every time a team would score, the end zone throw up a slime and SpongeBob's popping up on the screen, other Nickelodeon characters. And like I said, what's great is they explain what's happening as you go. So it's a great way to get kids invested with something that is familiar to them while also learning about the sport. And that's the kind of thing baseball needs to capitalize on more. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. You know, and I, I think this game, as we see more of the, the Fernando Tatises and some of these personalities come to the surface, you know, baseball continues to capitalize on these guys. And, you know, you go to a baseball game. It's not like going to a football game or, or maybe going to a basketball game. It really is the ultimate source of entertainment. It's relaxing to go to a baseball game, adding excitement, allowing the fans to get involved more can only help improve this game. And, you know, we talk about the playoffs. I, I think as, as wacky and, and twisted as 2020 was at times, you know, having those extra teams in the playoffs, having those extra rounds was really exciting for the game. And, you know, it was really exciting to, to kind of have an extra day of playoff baseball. Mike, do you see it, it expanding from 10 teams here? And, you know, personally, what would you like to see? What's, what's the <laughs> ideal number in your mind, you know, if they do decide to expand it? I mean, being on a wild card team, obviously I want them to expand it. I think the more yeah. teams – and, and you see it all the time. The, the hottest team going into the playoffs a lot of times is going to run the roost for a little while. And I think more games brings in more markets and it brings more opportunities to learn about more players. So I'm, I'm all for it. I know as a player, and I, I get the argument, I was a guy, you know, I was gritty and I wanted to be on the field every second I could be because it ends at some point. A lot of times guys don't realize that. So you need to enjoy every moment and every chance you get. You, know, you can play the entire career and never see the playoffs. And it's it's a, it's a blast. And guys need that opportunity. Coaches need that opportunity. And th that's where, you know, I think both sides, if they really looked at it, could really say, hmm, this is, this is probably best for the game because that's when you look at TV ratings and everything that's going on during those moments besides that Field of Dreams game or when they played on the Navy ship or they played overseas. There's nothing that can compare to it when it comes to, you know, marketing revenue or anything else because – they get a lot of eyes on it because it's so exciting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it just is more exciting. And it, it, like you said, it does give other markets a chance to, you know, be in the playoffs and get a chance. And if nothing else, you know, I think a three-game series for the wild card or maybe, you know, shifting some things around in the playoffs could be big because you know, the Pirates won 98 games in 2015. I don't think a, a one-game playoff against the Cyan Award winner is necessarily a, a fair cut at it. Michael, I know you. Uh, you don't don't even get me started. I was going to say, I don't want to get Marty on a right I here. I am still angry over that season. <laughs> well, but, but why wouldn't you be, right? You're, exactly. you're the best team in baseball or one of the best yep. teams in baseball at the time, and you run into, you know, a juggernaut, and a juggernaut that's pitching very well and who ends up pitching all the way through the World Series incredibly well. So, yeah, like, I'm with you there. I think yeah. that's, the, that's the epitome of what baseball is about. It's a team sport. And you don't want to allow it to be taken over by one individual in one given day. So, yeah, I think, you know, best of three for a wild card. I do love the idea of maybe a play-in play game as a wild card. So you have two teams that, you know, bottom of the roost, but they had a, a good year. Maybe that's the new wild card, a play-in game to play that, you know, three-game series. I think that would be a lot of fun and kind of like that do or die. Because that that is a really neat feeling because you know if you don't win that day, you're going home. And as, as fans, you have to think, like, What's going to happen? The suspense is killing me. The drama, it's, it, it's part of, you know, creating a good story and a good narrative that I think people can latch on to. Yeah. And, you know, I can, I can speak from the fan standpoint of that as someone who is at PNC park for all three of those wildcard games, the feeling in 2013 as opposed to 2015 was completely different, which is crazy. Cause, and, and this is not a slight on the 2013 team at all. That 2015 team, like, man, mm -hmm. that was in my opinion, they were the best team in baseball in 2015. And going into that game, no one expected the Pirates to win because Arietta was just on another level and you knew it was do or die, as opposed to 13, where confidence was extremely high. And that's what makes it so frustrating. You know, like <clears throat> that 2015 Pirates team, not to get off too much of a tangent here, but I would never pass up the opportunity to complain about this. <laughs> like I said, in my opinion, they were the best team in baseball. Mm -hmm. Eric Cole, Burnett, Lariano. Charlie Morton, that rotation was filthy. The bullpen was terrific. The lineup, even with Jung Ho Gung on the shelf, that lineup was still very good. Mm -hmm. But they ran into a pitcher who was in the midst of the best three or four month stretch in the history of baseball. And he had found his groove and he was locked in. And he knew he didn't have a chance. And it was so frustrating because I I 100 percent believe, you know, if 
that that missile Starling Marte hit near the fifth or sixth inning that Addison Russell somehow turned into a double play, if that ball finds green, I honestly believe the Pirates would have won the World Series in 2015. And it's just so frustrating to know a team that talented. I know the Pirates aren't the only team this ever happened to, but for us, it's easy to complain about as Pirate fans. But it's so frustrating to know a team that talented saw their season end in one game where you felt like they never had a chance because of the situation. So I do think that is also something baseball needs to fix because I definitely think that second wildcard team has done a lot of good for the sport Mm -hmm. because you add a lot of fan bases in, in markets that are invested in the pennant run going up into that last week of the season. But that said, making that a three game series does even more good for the sport because if nothing else, both teams in the wildcard round are then hosting at least one playoff game, which is going to bring in fans. It's going to bring in the media. It's going to bring in all kinds of good publicity for baseball. So I, I do think that is something that hopefully we will eventually see in the sooner, the better, because there is an, Baseball is not a sport where you can decide a series on one game. You know, you, you can't play deciding on one game when it's game seven is totally different because mm-hmm. you get six before that to get you to that point. You can't play a one game series in baseball because of the sport itself. You know, you could have one bad hop, one missed ball in the outfield, one bad call by an umpire, whatever it might be that swings that game. And that's not fair to the players, the fans, anybody. So I really do hope that eventually we get that three game series or five, whatever it might be out of the wild card. And like you said earlier, Michael, if you drop the regular season down to like 140, 142, it makes doing that even more possible and even more easier for baseball. And I do also like your idea of having that kind of one game playing for that second wild card spot. Cause again, that gets more market mm-hmm. that gets more fan bases invested and interested later into the season, which again, very good for the sport of baseball. Cause you look at football, for example, one of the things they do well is when you go into week 16, week 17, you might have 10, 11, 12 teams still battling for playoff spots in each conference. So you have the majority of fan bases, the majority of markets are still invested because their teams are playing for something. You need to do that in baseball without diluting the honor of winning the world series and I think just simply making the wild card round an extra two or three games can do that. I completely agree. And also the way that they do the the divisions, you know, you look at the AL East, it's an e- easy example. Like you almost year in, year out, have three or four best teams in all of baseball in one division. And it, they're beating each other up just like the SEC or the ACC or the Pac-10 in football. And, and that's a reality. So like the more teams, the more opportunities these guys get, I think the better because, you know, the Pirates may may be really good in a year or two, but guess what? The Cubs are going to be really good. The Milwaukee Brewers are going to be just about to let go or turn over a bunch of their guys if they haven't already. But, like, they they may have a stacked division. And I remember that's how it was in 13, 14, and 15 in, in that division. And it kind of brings a, a I guess, a disheartening feeling as, as a player or a fan because you're, you're, you're facing, you know, three or four teams with a um, record above 500 almost every time you go out there and play. And I'm sure they, they have the matrix to, to analyze, you know, the competition level that they play or whatever. But if, you know, the Dodgers won 130 games, but, you know, Colorado lost 110 and Arizona lost 110 and San Diego's dropping every good player they have and they lost a hundred. I mean, did they really win 130? You know, like it, it's just a it's just a different different thing. So I think the more the merrier because that's the way the game is. It, it's always shifting, it's always moving, and you kind of don't know, you know, which division is going to be the best. You, you kind of wonder if it they at least is always going to be the best, but like you want to see it where the best players get to play and the markets get to see their guys have a chance all the way up until that last week or two. You know, this is something I realize is never going to happen. And this is not just me with the baseball. This I feel this way about every sport. I am all on board dropping divisions. And you take, you have the National League, you have the American League, and you take the top six teams, top five teams, seven teams, whatever it may be, to make the postseason. Because again, to go back to 2015, I love the three best records in the National League were the Cardinals, Pirates, and Cubs. And -hmm. the Cardinals and Pirates were the two best records in all baseball. Like you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't punish a team for being a great team who's in the same division as two or three other great teams. Right. And then they had to play their division 
Yeah. In the wild card game. <laughs> exactly. And, and and that that's a benefit sometimes that, that's going to hurt you sometimes. But like you said, they had to face a guy that they had faced multiple times throughout the year who was in the best stretch of all of yeah. I mean, probably of all time when it comes to pitching. That little stretch was unreal. It was like he's throwing invisible. So, yeah, like I, I do like the idea. And also that brings markets together, right? That that, mm-hmm. that changes things up. Like it'd be neat if they, they ran into – you know, the San Diego Padres, right? They don't play mm-hmm. them that often. And they, it, you're really not sure. You have to look at the matchup and say, man, Pirates really could kind of beat these guys, even though on paper they're a better team because they match up really good against this team. Unfortunate matchup, but you're right. Like if you did the National League, American League, and you kind of did it like the NBA where, you know, the, the, the teams match up based on their record and not just the division series or whatever, I think that's, I think that's really smart. You can still have the divisions, but when it comes to push, come to shove, you want to win the division. Yes, congratulations, you won. It's the best record in the division. But you're right. If 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 they're two games above 500, and then you look at the other other guys, and and they don't win the division, but they're 13, 14, 15 games above 500, and they have two other teams that are like that. And then, yeah, you're right. I, I I like that. I think it's a great idea. And two, when they add teams, because I think that's coming uh, in in the near future, if not immediately that'll be an easier way to do it. You won't have to match up. You could just start adding teams. Yeah. And not even just that, just like you, you mentioned the Padres, for example, look at Pittsburgh. If you're not a diehard baseball fan in Pittsburgh, do you really appreciate the player Fernando Tatis's? Nope. You probably, yeah, exactly. So if you play the Padres more often and you get to tease the more publicity, that's good for baseball. You have mm-hmm. one of your young superstars, getting exposed to bigger market. Same thing in the American League. You get Mike Trout exposed to bigger, like, it, it, to me, to people who aren't big baseball fans, I don't even understand how Mike Trout is quite possibly the greatest baseball player who has ever mm-hmm. lived mm-hmm. and is not truly appreciated because people are assuming enough because he's playing in Anaheim where most of his games are being played at 10, 10, 15 Eastern time, and people don't see the guy play. They don't appreciate just how – freaking good the guy is right it's incredible he like i said he legitimately might be the best baseball player who's ever walked the face of the earth and he does not get the attention and credit he deserves and i think if you do something like this where you get these teams playing each other more often and you fix that problem and you know tatis is going to run into the same issue being out in san diego on the west coast you know it's not like when you have these generational talents playing in new york or in boston or even in chicago in the central time zone where it's easier for people to see them, you know, and it's, it's, again, it just goes back to baseball and it's so frustrating as a diehard baseball guy, you see baseball constantly get in their own way and sabotage themselves and not promote the sport. Well, and it's just, it's just maddening as someone who loves it really is. It really is. It's so frustrating (laughs) that we have so many young talents and just superstars and guys who are, even personality-wise, are so marketable, and we see the game just continue to fumble over themselves and waste it. Yeah, they they focus on the it, it. It kind of mind boggles me sometimes where their focus shifts. Like when they did the whole thing with the 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 tack on the ball this year, I'm like, is that really that important right now? Like, let's change that right now. Put put a bad image on the game and then start tacking guys. Like, I get the thought, I get the concept of of, of wanting to keep the integrity of the game and everything, but like it was a bad PR move. It put the, 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 the owners and the players against each other really, really fast. There is a repercussion. Glassenau is 100% right. You are going to grip something that you cannot necessarily have a good grip on a lot differently. And there was no standard. There's no standard of tax. So like they just completely flipped the switch and they punished everyone for a very small group of guys that were doing something they probably shouldn't have. That wasn't necessarily illegal because they never talked about it, even though it was in the books, it was completely unseen. And at the end of the day, I think the game, who cares? Like if a guy can figure out how to throw a spitball nowadays, because I've, I've tried to show a kid how to use a scuff on a ball. <laughs> they, 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 they would rather throw a four seamer at 108 than they would have a ball move four feet. So, you know, it maybe brings something even neater in the game. I don't know, but like, yeah, their, their focus sometimes gets, going down the wrong road and it's just like what are we doing now they're putting tack back on the balls and they're going to have a ultimate better tack ball that is the new standard so you know 
they realize they did something, they're going to make sure it's, it's fixed. But yeah, watching those guys unbuckle their belts and everything. I'm like, is this really where we're at? Umpires didn't like it. The players didn't like it. And MLB really didn't do enough due diligence to, to even make the rules that they did because they didn't really know what they were saying. Because if I put water and rosin on, I literally can't let go of a baseball. And it's just doing the due diligence, understanding what, what you're doing in the game and understand. I really do believe if you did a study, guys got hurt because they'd thrown like that for so long. They did have to incorporate that muscle in their forearm that that flexor really had to work harder, especially guys with that superhuman type stuff in glass now and the Garrett Coles and whatnot. And only time will tell, but not a good time to do it. You know, right after pandemic, everything's kind of a mess. These guys can't do the same things they've done in the years past. So I, I pray that if you want to know my hope for all this, I hope they just let these guys go play and they focus on what the fans want to see and need to see and, and make sure that they feel a part of it. Like it, it becomes that family atmosphere again, instead of, you know, where it seems like they're pushing the fans away, the players pushing the owners away and everybody's just kind of doing their own thing. It's just an individual sport. It's not, it's an, in, all these guys have individual brands, but it's a team sport and, and it's one of the best sports on the planet. And they need to make sure to not lose that. Cause I'm with you, Marty, like it is a special game. It's mm-hmm. different than most. You don't have to be enthralled every second, and, and you could still see 98% of what you want to see, but the, the, the thought process behind it, what's going on behind the scenes, all the little things are so cool. Yeah. And, you know, just like the little things, for example, <clears throat> you know, in I feel like as someone who's never played baseball, never been associated with sport, you don't get this, but it's like, you know, with me, I mentioned I, I coach at a youth level. I coach in the in our youth league here in town. It's like when I'm coaching first base, even when those kids get to first base, I love talking to them, right. picking their brains, telling them what they did great, telling them, hey, you know what, you did this, but listen, you do this next time, you're gonna do even better. You know, it's just the little things like that about baseball that I love so much. It's just so cool. You don't have that in a sport where you can stand out there in the field for ten minutes and talk to the other players and pick their brains and laugh and make jokes like that's one of the things that makes this sport so great and it's just it, it is really unfortunate to see this be the one major sport in this country that just again continues to get in their own way and right. you know maybe that's Rob Manfred I'm sure a lot of that is Rob Manfred it's a it's there's a lot of people who deserve blame for it but yeah it's just it's the day baseball finally decides to stop being its own worst enemy is going to be a great day for baseball fans well put well put yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, some of it I think is Rob Manford to an extent. But like you said, Marty, I think it's a lot of different people in this game that, you know, just can't come together and and don't see that team family aspect like you guys are talking about there. And, you know, I think the playoffs, the the way it's set up right now is a prime example of baseball getting into, you know, its own way. It would be one thing if this was, you know, every now and then that the 98 win Pirates are having to play in the wild card game. But this is every season. I mean, it's no discredit to the Atlanta Braves this year, but they weren't better than the than the St. Louis Cardinals or the Los Angeles Dodgers for the regular season. And I think we, you know, we missed those ultimate matchups that we could see in the World Series or, you know, and potentially down the road in the National or the American League. But, you know, hopefully a lot of that is going <clears throat> is going to change. Excuse me. Hopefully a lot of progress. It's going to be made in these next couple of weeks. Hopefully we do start on time. Michael, these shows always fly by so fast when you hop <laughs> on with us, man. But uh, your final thoughts here is, as we close it out. What you expect to happen in these next couple of weeks and, and kind of your outlook on baseball heading into the rest of 2022? I think if you're a baseball fan, you're going to see a lot of movement at the minor league level, a lot of guys signing maybe that would have been in <clears throat> big league camp or, or whatnot, and they're, they're kind of jumping on board to get in into spring training, get moving. And, you know, at the end of the day, this is a, is a business, and, and those guys are their own entrepreneur business. They're trying to get in and do their thing. So you're going to see a lot of signings, a lot of movement. Hopefully you'll see the talks pick up. I hate how long it takes these guys to kind of turn over and say, no, we don't like it. We do like it. So hopefully that'll start to speed up. They'll start to narrow that gap and we get to playing because baseball does not need anything to, you know, slow them down to get things started. And I don't think three years in a row of, of, of a weird start to spring training is anything that we need. So hopefully, and I'm praying for this, that they'll, they'll be able to get on the field as soon as possible and get I want to get down there and watch them and, and and watch these guys get to work especially with the Pirates being so young and so talented it's going to be fun to watch these guys cuz you're going to see things some of these guys can do like you know O'Neill Cruz hitting 118 off the bat you know or 116 off the bat and it's the hardest ball ever hit by a pirate in three in his 
last three games. You only played three games in the big leagues. Yeah. You already set a record. And you're going to see things like that because that's the ability and talent that the Pirates have. And it's going to be special. And I think they're going to really show that off in spring training. And you just hate not to see it when they're sitting waiting. You know, you, you want to get them to spring training and get them going. So I, I pray that happens. And if it doesn't, I hope the MLBPA gets somewhere and finds their own field and starts playing a little sandlot and, and gets some things going to push it. Because I know MLB is going to be having these minor league guys, you know, playing. They're not going to skip a beat because that's kind of what they did last time. So. I just hope we play the same game and make sure that there's some baseball going on for somebody. There's social media. There's everywhere on God's green earth. You can film this stuff and, and get it to light. So if nothing else, at least the true believers and the true diehards get, get their feel because, you know, we'll start itching and scratching from our addiction to ball. <laughs> well said. No, very well said. It's, uh, you know, everybody's just kind of twiddling their thumbs right now, waiting to see what happens. Like you said, hopefully everybody can come together here. Marty, your final thoughts tonight and kind of give us a rundown of what's going on on the website this week. Yeah, you know, not, <clears throat> not a whole lot that we haven't already covered. Um, you know, this week we've got some stuff. Uh, this past weekend we dove into some things on the website. Uh, Noah has some good stuff on Mitch Keller um, hitting 100-plus on the gun. This offseason training, Michael, I see your Whoops. eyes popping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, you know, I, I think Noah put it perfectly to start the article. He said, baseball gods, please, can we just have this one for once? Please. Yeah. One please. Time, can we yeah. have this? Yeah. Um, but that, that was a great the, – the last article you, you guys did was really, really good because I think the game gets so caught up in that 100, but you guys said, I'm still not – like there, I, I want him to get on the mound. Yes. I want him to compete. I want him to prove it. And I think that's well said. I don't think yep. it's said enough. And I appreciate you guys kind of bringing that to light because he has been the chosen one for so mm -hmm. long and he's gotten more opportunities than any player I've ever seen in my entire life. And I do hope the best for him. And I do hope this comes together like it should. And mobility wise, biomechanic wise, everything is moving. And that was the first step of Mitch's transition. And I hope he can take the, the, the absolute dynamite thing you guys were talking about. It's the, can he go compete? Is the mentality there? Is, is the mindset to overcome that first missile back at his face on a really good pitch? Does he have an identity? All those things are going to be wrapped up to see if he can come in. Just because he has number one stuff. We've seen plenty of guys, you know, not have the career you think they're going to have, and they're still throwing 100 with a nasty breaking ball. It, 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 it goes into that shift in the mentality, how to use it, where to throw it, when to throw it. And I just hope, you know, he can put that together. Just great, great article by you guys and a really good pickup that only a true baseball dude understands and sees. And that was a really good thing because it's not talked about enough, especially on our network or, or anywhere. Like this guy, that's the separator for him. And I, I thought it was awesome. Uh, thank you. We appreciate it. But yeah, definitely. If you don't, like you said, you get a hundred and you have the nasty breaking ball. If you have the right mindset, if you don't have, to control those pitches, the conviction of those pitches, it's not going to matter. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, with other things on the site this week, you know, we, we talked a lot about Dewey Robinson, who is under the radar as the addition of Dewey Robinson may be, might be the best addition the Pirates made all offseason. Um, for those of you who don't know, Dewey worked in the Rays minor league system for a long time as a minor league pitching coach. Um, go check it out. I think he can bring a lot of great things to the organization. Uh, I had a piece on Sunday about potential leadoff options for opening day. Um, you know, I think as the season goes on, those options are going to change. And we also have some stuff on the site about how as the season goes on, you could see a lot of improvement just internally with players who are going to graduate from minor league system, you know, young guys who are going to improve the year goes on. So, yeah, there's still a reason to be excited if you're a Pirate fan. I definitely think, you know, when the season begins, this team is going to be nowhere near where we want it to be. But I fully believe that the the – active roster on the final day of the season is going to be much, much better than the opening day roster. And we'll set the table for 2023 and beyond when things could really start to get fun and entertaining again to Pittsburgh. Yeah, it certainly will. Guys, go check out that article. Check out Noah's article on Mitch Keller as well when you get the chance. Before we get out of here, got to give our condolences to Gene Kleins. Remember that all minority lineup with the Pirates passed away this week. Certainly uh, heavy hearts there. Sending out our condolences to the Kleins family. And uh, everybody that, that knew Gene Kleins. Guys, you can find our podcast as always on Apple Music, Spotify, fansided.com, wherever you get your podcasts. And like I said, be sure to go check out rumbunter.com right now. We are locked out. It doesn't mean there's not a ton of content coming out. 
each and every day. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the podcast as always. It has been great having you. Hope to have you here soon, man. And hopefully, like you said, we can uh, be talking about a lockout that is now over in a CBA that has been agreed upon. But until then, guys, let's go, Bucks. Thank you for joining episode number 75 of Rum Bunter Radio. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.